Who's sitting next to someone good looking? I saw a few hands not go up. I won't read too much into that one. Good morning. It is so good to have you with us. We hope you are doing well. Um, Man, I love church. There's nothing like being in the room, just connecting with other believers, worshipping. And uh, it's so good to have you here. A couple of things. Uh, Today is Anointing Sunday. As Darcy mentioned, and if you're not familiar with the word anointing, it's uh, it's a church word, right? We don't really use it outside of the church. Um, it's a word that just speaks of being prayed for and having God's power and favor over our life to be set apart for the life that he's called us to live. And every Christian is called to be anointed by God. We don't have to be scared of that. Today is Anointing Sunday. And so I'm going to be sharing a message for us um, in the third part of our Refresh series. And I'll cover a little bit of the practical details near the end, but we want to invite you near the end. I want to let you know... Before we get there, so you have some time to think about it, we've got a prayer team in both of our spaces that would love to stand up the front and pray for you. Now, the the practice of anointing typically uses a little bit of oil, and it's just a touch on the forehead. But if you're not comfortable with that, we can totally anoint your hand or just not use the oil at all. It's representative, but we want to invite you to come and be prayed for. If you have kids in the kids' programs in either of our spaces, you're welcome to go and get them as well so that we can pray for you uh, as a family. But we're going to jump into it this morning. Who's ready for the word? Okay, (laughs) the message this morning, part three of our series, I'm calling it Empowered Through Scripture. Now, cool thing about our church is that we actually have eight campuses, seven physical ones and an online one. And I heard a story the other day from someone at our city campus, Mike and Liz Griffiths lead that campus, amazing couple. And there's a guy on staff there as a pastor. His name is Shane. And Shane and his family are from China. And I heard this story of his family that I just want to share with you this morning. Now, Shane's dad was a traditional Chinese musician, and he had been doing that ever since he was a teenager, trying to make a way for himself. But by the time he got to 30 years old, old, he was kind of struggling to actually make a living, actually earn an income from his music. So he decided to sort of change tack and go into a different job in order to provide for himself. He ended up working for the provincial government as a uh, public servant. And when he retired at the age of 65, he was the manager of a state-owned housing company. It was a pretty respectable and rewarding job. Now, when he was getting close to that age of 65, ready to retire, Shane started to worry about his dad. And the reason he was worrying was he had observed other people getting to the age of retirement and sort of just clocking out, losing their joy, losing their health, and just going downhill. And so he was concerned for his dad as he approached retirement. But Shane's dad reassured him, son, don't worry. When I get to retirement, I'm finally going to start really loving my life. I'm going to travel around the country with your mom. I'll visit all sorts of friends and family throughout the different cities. I'll have time and money and freedom to do all the things that I loved. And I'll practice Chinese calligraphy every day. I'm never going to get bored. Life is going to be good. Now, as optimistic as that sounds, Shane says that he observed that that actually wasn't the case. When his dad finally got to that age, there were some things that he did. He did travel a bit with his, with his wife, Shane's mom. He did visit some family members, and there was a bit of freedom and money to do the things that he enjoyed. But he never practiced Chinese calligraphy, and he also started to become pretty grumpy. He began to deteriorate. In fact, Shane says his dad slowly over time became a disgruntled and grumpy old man that was difficult to be around. Shane had to really watch his words because his dad had become really sensitive. Things didn't really get a whole lot better for Shane's dad until he got to the age of 70 and this 
2016, this music school reached out and said, hey, would you come and teach our students traditional Chinese music? Because we can't find any musician that is young, that has passion and has the skill and knowledge like you do. So would you come and teach the students this traditional Chinese music? Well, he came and the initial plan was for him to do that for one semester, but it turns out he stayed for three years because his contribution was so significant. As he was pouring out his knowledge, his experience, and his love, these students began to flourish and grow. But what was most amazing is Shane got his energetic, positive, and joyful dad back. Now, the school was 300 kilometers away from where they lived in China. That's a long way. That's like probably, I don't know how far that is. Rotorua, Topo, maybe further than that. But every week on a Sunday, his dad would drive all the way to that town, stay in there for five days to teach at the school and only come home for the weekends. And yet he never got bored. He never got tired. He absolutely loved it. It's fascinating because at the age of 70, Shane's dad's life was being refreshed as he focused on pouring out and refreshing others. And there's something so deeply counterintuitive, countercultural to finding refreshment when we put in the effort to actually first meet the needs and the desires of other people. Evolution tells us it's all about survival, but it's about my survival, right? Culture tells me that I need to be happy, but it's about me focusing on my happiness. And the church says this as well, but the difference is how we go about it. The scripture says we are to seek contentment and fulfillment and to meet our needs, but the way we go about it is completely different. The scripture says it's kind of like the opposite to the way the world would go about it. I remember in 2019, Darcy and I, we went on a mission trip to Vietnam. It wasn't long after we planted this campus and we went over there and we were going to be speaking at three different conferences, an adults, like pastors conference, a women's conference and a youth conference. And so a whole lot of preparation went into that. Darcy preached about 12 times. I preached about 10 times across a two week period. So it was like, it was content heavy and we prepared a lot, but we were ready to get over there and to serve people. And if I'm to be honest, uh, while I visited a bunch of countries before, getting to Vietnam was like a culture shock for me. <laughs> like the difference between like rural Vietnam and well-established Auckland in New Zealand was massive. Uh, it was hot. It was consistent. And we were pretty tired going from place to place, preaching and teaching. But I'm not allowed to complain because that's what we signed up for. That's what we knew we were getting into. We were prepared and we couldn't wait to get over there to be part of a team that would raise and release other leaders and bring some significant change to Vietnam. After our, our mission work, we extended our stay for about four days. We, Darcy and I, we just stayed in a hotel and we relaxed. And of course, we paid for that ourselves. But it was really nice just to be there for four days and reflect on all that God had done through us because we came prepared to pour out to meet the needs, of, the, the needs of others, to serve, to give everything we had. And it was strangely interesting because we found ourselves so fulfilled and satisfied in the process. As we focused on going over to use our gifts, what God had gifted us to do, as we poured out, our soul was satisfied, which was such an amazing blessing for us. It's amazing when you realize that when you put focus on meeting the needs of others, the unexpected consequence is that your needs are met as well. When we actually put all of our effort in our day to make somebody else's day, the unexpected consequence is that our day gets made as well. Now, someone here in the room, either here or the classroom, you might say, that's cool, but what about me? Who's looking after my needs? Who's looking out for me? And this is the good news. We don't need to look out for us. God's promise for us is that He would look out for us. That, that job is already filled. Darcy shared it earlier. We hadn't planned it, but how good. Matthew chapter 6 from verse 28. It says, so do not worry, saying, what will we eat? What shall we drink? 
or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. So Jesus is saying, look, if you just do what I've called you to do, you take one step after the other on the path that I've placed you on, you do that, I'm going to sustain and refresh you in the process. You do your part, and I'll do mine, he says. And so here is our key thought for today. And my message is much shorter because I want us to carve out time for that prayer at the end. The key thought is this, Proverbs 11.25. It says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. That sounds good. Sounds real nice. But I want to explain something that I think is really going to bless you. Because if we break down this verse and look at the original intent and meaning, it actually looks a little different from what we first expected. It says the generous will prosper. That original word generous in the Hebrew means blessing. Now, so often we think of being generous and we think, oh, that just means giving my money. But the actual meaning is much broader than that. It's about being a person who blesses others in their words, their actions, their smiles, encouragement, ministry, material things and money, time and attitude, seeking in big ways and small ways to make someone else's day. And then Solomon, the writer of this, he goes on to say, yep, the generous will prosper, but the person who refreshes others, now that phrase, refreshes others, is the Hebrew word rovor. I know I pronounced that wrong, but you have grace for me. I don't speak Hebrew. Rovor is that term, that phrase, refreshes others, and that means to be saturated or to drink one's fill. In other words, to be a person who fills another person up. Now, this is what you and I do when we read it in the English. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Right, right, right. So what they receive, I'll receive. What they experience, if I refresh Ellie, then I will receive refreshment. So what she experiences, I experience. But that's not what the Scripture says. That phrase for Ellie being refreshed as a result of what I do is that she would be filled up. But then the response is, those who do that will themselves be refreshed. That term of, of will be refreshed for ourselves is a different word. And this is where it gets interesting because it's similar, but it's different in Hebrew. It's your raw. <laughs> and it literally means to shoot out like an arrow, to lay a foundation or to be watered. Can you hear God's intent? As we begin to commit ourselves to being people that make sure somebody else's tank is filled, our foundation gets laid, we are refreshed, and we get shot forward like an arrow out of a bow. And so a slightly more accurate translation of the verse is this. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be propelled forward. It's like a promise within a promise. It's not just that I'm refreshed, but I'm actually propelled forward like an arrow out of a bow. Out of a bow. There's a promise within a promise. And isn't this so true? Like, I'm not making this up. You know what I mean. It's like this in the real world. If you're looking for someone to promote, someone to give an opportunity to, are you looking for the people that are just focused on their own success, that are just trying to find an advantage for themselves? Or are you looking for people that want to bless others, that want to help others, that actually want to see other people succeed? That person will find themselves again and again being propelled forward and forward and forward. We see the spiritual principle out outworked in everyday life. And so God's promise is that as we focus on meeting the needs of others, there is a supernatural and simultaneously fulfilling of our own needs. Now, there's this old Chinese proverb, and, and I've shared this before, but I think this really helps us understand 
the heart of God on this. Old Chinese proverb where a guy knew that he was about to die. And so he goes to a wise man in the village and he says, I want to know what hell and heaven look like. And he says, very well, come with me. And in this proverb, they wander through a forest and they come to a big house, big, beautiful house, many rooms, big banquet hall filled with the finest of foods. And the guy's standing there and he's looking around and he goes, this looks good, except everyone here looks malnourished. They're skinny, they're starving, they're unhappy, they're dissatisfied. And then he noticed that everyone had these big, like, three-meter-long chopsticks. I mean, imagine trying to pick up a grape with that. I can't even do it with normal chopsticks. But they're trying to pick up this food, and they're trying to feed themselves. They're so focused on their own needs. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. This is what I need. But it's difficult. You can't feed yourself with three-meter-long chopsticks. Hard enough to pick it up, even harder to drop it into your mouth. And so everyone is going without. He says, okay, I've seen enough. Show me what heaven looks like. So they travel through the forest. They come to a similar house. Nice, big, beautiful house. Many rooms, big banquet hall, the finest of foods. The same three-meter chopsticks. But as this guy walks into this room, he goes, something's different here. It all looks the same, except the people look joyful. They look satisfied. They look nourished. They look like they're having a good time. What's the difference? And the wise man says, here in heaven, people feed each other. So rather than using the three-meter chopsticks to feed themselves, they're reaching across the table and it's easy. I take care of your needs. And in the process, my needs get met as well. I know it's a made-up story. I know it's just an old Chinese parable or proverb or whatever you want to call it, psalm. Uh, (laughs) um, But it's such a beautiful picture of your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That as we look to abandon our own selfish desires and fulfill the needs of others, we in turn have our needs met as well. To be refreshed while focusing on refreshing others. Bible says that if we refresh others, we ourselves would be refreshed. We would be promoted. We would be propelled. And LJ, you can join me on keys. Wasn't sure if you're still there. Awesome. Thank you. Today is Anointing Sunday. And we very much believe in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's like a spiritual lighting up of the gifts that God has placed inside of you to truly make a difference for God in this world. Anointing is the supernatural power of God that brings impact to what you do. We're all gifted. We have talents. We're all called to different things under the one banner of purpose to make the name of Jesus known and to do the thing that He's called us to do. It looks different for each of us. But the anointing of God adds impact to what we do. It's no longer reliant on our own strength and our own ability and our own strategy, but God breathes upon it. And Jesus said that when every believer is filled with the Holy Spirit, that power comes upon them. It's not like we conjure up power within. We don't think about power and it comes to being. The universe didn't give it to us. But when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that power from heaven would come upon you. And it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that allows the words that you speak to bring fresh life to a discouraged soul. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that changes a warm welcome into a heavenly embrace. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that transforms the words that we sing to worship of the heart. These guys are just going to work through a couple of things. We've had some technical difficulties today, but it's all good. We appreciate them. The anointing sets us apart. You might say, why do we need to be set apart? Set apart from what? What are we apart from? It's apart from just going through motions and doing life in our own strength, trying to figure it out on our own, trying to have all the answers, trying to have enough energy, trying to have everything that we need in our own strength. What the anointing of God does is it separates us from the pressure of that, from the striving in that, and it just says, would you do the next thing I've placed in front of you? You've got gifts, you've got talents, we want you to discover it. That's part of why we have growth track. 
But once you discover what it is that you're good at, once you discover what it is that you're weak at, that's a really important discovery as well. You sort of begin to discover your lane. And you don't need to be an absolute world changer, the greatest the world's ever seen, but you just need to be part of a team that does what you've been called to do, to be faithful in that. And when you're faithful in that and you're not trying to receive the glory for yourself, God breathes upon that and adds impact to what you do. It's the anointing of God that changes this situation from just like a gathering and a in an environment of joy to an atmosphere of the miraculous where we can come into a place like this and not just have a club where we sing songs, drink coffee and wish each other well. That's nice, but that's not the church. The church is a place where we can come in, we can be touched by the presence of God, the anointing of God would bring healing to our physical bodies, realignment of our spirit and the vision that He's placed in front of us and we can go into what He's given us to do. I'm so excited for Vision Sunday. It's not something we have to do. The Bible doesn't say you must have a specific day where you pray over every person, but we see it as a principle, we see it as a practice that truly sets people apart. So it's not about the oil, it's about the power of God on your life and what that represents. So do you want to refresh others? I hope your answer to that is yes. And God's promise is that if you do, you would be blessed in the process. If you're someone here today and you're willing to say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to push aside my own selfish desires. We all have them. I'm going to push them aside as best I can. I'm going to say, God, send me where you would send me. Have me where you would have me. Whatever it is you would have me do to bless other people, I want to do that. I want to serve and focus on meeting the needs of others. And I believe that in the process, you would refresh and sustain me. If you're willing to say that today, then today is a perfect day to be anointed with oil and to be prayed over. Refresh others and you will be refreshed. Our community is crying out for a refreshing touch. You just need to walk down the main street, find yourself at a dairy or a supermarket. You can see it. You can feel it. There is a sense of heaviness and a sense of apathy, and I don't blame them. What a season we've been through. But we serve a refreshing, powerful God that brings breakthrough. And as plan A to begin to turn the tide in our community is us. And it's every other Bible-believing Christian in every other church that's gathered in our community that the Spirit of God would work through them to bring change. For us to go above and beyond to serve them, to show radical, unhindered love, to show unexpected kindness and to be bold in our testimony. See, we could all jump out of the service today and go, cool, I can do that. I'm gonna go out and do that. But if we do it in our own strength, if we run ahead of what God's doing or we fall behind what He's saying, we're just doing it in our own strength. You can do that for a while. Some people can go longer than others, but you will come to the end of your wick. You cannot sustain your life and your ministry and your purpose trying to do it all on your own. So what do we need? What's the solution? It's the power, it's the presence, it's the anointing of God.